Hi guys, welcome to episode season six, episode four, and this is a part three series of top like all-time nostalgia TV cartoon shows that I feel like shaped my childhood. And we're starting off with Dragon Tales. Even though I feel like Dragon Tales for PBS Kids during that time, you had Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, and PBS Kids. And I feel like with Dragon Tales, since it appeared in 1999. And the show was about two young Mexican kids. Yes, we had, like, finally, finally some diversity. And it was these two young Mexican kids who found a dragon scale in their living room. And they're basically like their play area room after moving. And the scale transported these two siblings into this bizarre, magical world made up of dragon residents. And you expect the show revolving around dragons to have a lot of violence if people getting burnt to crisp. Well, no, not at all. But... The show's the exact opposite. The show was like the very calm down version. They have very uncanny members, manners, but would say please and thank you. And apologize when they did something wrong. And always had a smile on their face. And it was a bit cheesy for a show back then, but it brings back a ton of nostalgia. Together, the dragon showed the kids around their world, going on a few mini adventures. And overall, the show was a goal was to educate its children audience on cultural awareness because the show mixed in Spanish with English as well as helped kids teach kids manners. But after all, a show geared toward younger kids between the ages of 5 and 10, roughly. But hey, I enjoy watching the show. I was interested in learning like some couple of Spanish words, you know, try to help myself learn a little Spanish if I had Spanish friends growing up. And I think the show just puts you in a good mood because even though it ended in 2005, you never like stop watching the show like till you're like when we were on the age of 12 but that's kind of fair but i think the show was really progressive part of the time i really was appreciated that dragon tales actually came out that time and as the show kept going they added new characters and just talked about different topics that are very interesting for a kid's show at the time and then we have my og favorite i feel like this show that i'm about to talk about next was i think well ahead of their time I think you'll know him because the whole season, all the seasons of the show is on YouTube. It's rumored to have another season, hopefully, come out either this year or next year, but I can't wait when it does. But we had Totally Spies. And I feel like despite, you know, the audience that I was trying to reach for, whether it's trying to be for guys or girls, what have you. Although I feel like it was split between those two viewers, I feel like it had everything that you wanted. Like girls in high school, a lot of action, a lot of cool spy things and gadget, but I feel like this cartoon was about three older high school students. Clover, who is sort of your stereotypical Californian girl who loves fashion and shopping. Alex, who is sort of dim-witted and clumsy and a bit tomboy. So I kind of related to Alex. I'm a tomboy too. But then you had um, Sam, who was a smart one, sort of serious. But together, they were chosen to be spies for the secret organization, Ruth, who under the supervision of Jerry, who's a middle-aged, bald British guy. And they would go on missions and try to stop and find out information about various criminals but often having to balance that double life or they often get caught and uh, having to fight the bad guy using their spy gadget and defend themselves but i feel like there's often the argument and they'll be arguing with each other and their personalities will always clash with each other but what kind of friendship group doesn't always have arguments or the personalities are always class but i think despite having their outside lives of being spies they're just managing being normal high school girls who have the share of bullying at school, who like shopping, who like boys, who have sleepovers. And, you know, the show really pulled it off. I don't know how they made the girl seem so, you know, girly girl, but yet, like, like, I don't know, like a badass at the same time. And although I don't think girls would be able to, 
Like if we watched it now, which you still can watch it now and Mercy Avery Dust can become back. I think if it's both sides of the spectrum for both boys and girls because, you know, there was not really like a gender norm trying to like I'm getting at. Specifically since all the villains were very interesting and the human the humor was placed really well. And I think, you know, watching it, I think I felt as I watched each episode, I, I was impressed that you know, you're not always showing girls in distress, always being able to say by a guy. They can basically do it themselves. And that's why I really liked about Totally Spot. I really appreciate, you know, the modern push it had for it. And then you have Recess. Recess is one of those shows that I feel like was your basic of your stereotypical school environment that focused on six kids who went about their lives at school. A good chunk of the show consisted of the kids at recess, hence the title, where kids took law and order in their own hands. You know, I think it was interesting to see how there was like a hierarchy on the reset playground versus when they were in the classroom that we didn't see them dove much into it, but I did have a lot of things, you know, talked about. But like recess, he also had another show rocket power was one of the shows that was interesting because it was in a different location and talked a lot about skateboarding and self-culture which you know i don't think for kids show was talked about a lot i feel like the show was about four older kids who hang around the local town whether that be in hawaii or Chicago beach town whether that be at the skate park beach or the local outdoor grillier where their dad worked as well but together with these kids otto twister reggie and squid go skating surfing and do things you expect any typical california kid to do you know, it, I feel like I got the Hawaiian vibe because of the beach, but definitely they were definitely in California. But most of the show Rob Brown them skating and surfing, as well as their dad Ray and his friend Tito. It had some of the most interesting themes outside of skating and surfing because of this, they had themes such as vandalism, living with a single dad, and brothers to same bonding. And like this show also broke a lot of gender stereotypes by having a girl in the group of guys and getting the boy activities. It also pretty much had a pretty catchy instrumental theme song. And I'm like, for it being very, you know, pushing that stereotype of just a girl hanging out with guys and not being viewed as, not as one of the guys, but don't always have the force her stigma of she should be somewhere else, be with her own girlfriends. No, a girl can enjoy the same thing that a guy would like. And then you had, I think, somewhere around Nickelodeon in the early 2000s, um, you had the Wild Thornberries, who was this show was basically following the life and their team of a family consisting of Eliza, the main character who could talk, who had the gift to talk to animals, and Darwin, their adopted chimpanzee, and Debbie, Eliza's older sister who hates her life, who forced to live in a camper with her two parents, Nigel and Miriam, and AKA Nigel was voiced by, um, if you know, you know, I don't want to spoil if you don't, but if you don't know, who voices Nigel Thornberry, yeah, smashing. I thought I'd try to do my very um, impressive Nigel Thornberry impression, but uh, if you don't know who voices him, it's by Tim Carey. Iconic voice, I will say. But, um, and then, you know, with her two parents, Nigel and Miriam, who job was consistent of filming wildlife they went all over and i was impressed how much they get paid for this but i'm just like how much does paid pictures supply and the can be everything but then they end up adopting a feral boy named donnie and he was voiced by the flea of the red hot chili peppers and the family just travel around the world in the comedy filming animal and nature and it's a very 
educational show that try to make viewers more aware of, of animals and their natural habitat. I guess also to way to like to prevent their extinction and just care more about like our animals and just keeping them here longer. But having Eliza communicate with these animals was a brilliant idea for a kid show. And I think that also like geared towards my way of being more interested in animals and just thinking more about their habitat, trying to help them save it. And I think, you know, having someone as the main character Eliza having able to read their thoughts and communicate with them and trying to save them was a really good way of it being somewhat more of a serious show but not thoroughly harmed around humor if it didn't need to be and then you had the power puff girl yes i said it you had the power puff girls it was a story of a professor whose goal was to create and mind you create the perfect girls side note that the thing is perfect little girls. Kids are all have their flaws. Just saying that. Until accidentally he spilled a bottle of chemical X into the concoction. Resulting in three girls who had superpowers. Together these three girls doubled the cute sensitive one. Blossom the leader and the smart one. And Buttercup the tough and determined one. All battle different villains around town. And the villains are probably the most remembered part of the show. There was Mojo And I repeat. Mojo Duro, an evil monkey bent on taking the world every single time with technology. And then him, a red-skinned, devil-looking creature with a creepy voice, and the gang green gang, a gang of green skinny hulums, that's how they were described. And it was pretty light-hearted, the show. It was very kid-friendly. Just, just, there were just some episodes that were like, why did they do this? But then also, a lot of memorable characters like the dim-witted mayor, who, in my opinion, who let this man run for town. Who let, this, who let this people who let this man run for mayor? I could have missed Bella been mayor. Like, come on now. I know she's the secretary, but you can let Miss Bella run for mayor once, not once. Have always be the mayor. We always lose stuff and like pickles a lot. But I just remember, like, it had a, it was a very popular show. It still is. They still bring it back, and the theme song was pretty catchy as well, which I thoroughly enjoy. Um. I think, you know, overall, like, Cow and Chicken was another memorable one because I think Cow and Chicken was the most oddest one, I feel like, because you had Cow and Chicken, who were sort of like this brother-sister relationship, along with I Am Weasel, that had the similar humor animation. But I think, you know, when you focus on Cow and Chicken, it focuses on the life of 11-year-old chicken who uses a lot of sarcasm and has a huge ego, along with his 7-year-old sister, a cow that was sort of, like, they met her as dumb and emotional, but they normally go on normal human-like activities, even though they live with human parents and go to school. I feel like that show was like a fever dream, and not many people either remember or don't remember watching it, or they remember watching it and just, just chose to forget it and just push that far back the memories because it was kind of a show you kind of watch on the weekends, which I don't blame people now. But also, I feel like. Yet also one dog lot was the code name Kid Next Door. And I feel like if you haven't watched Code Name Kid Next Door, like pause the podcast. What are y'all doing? You can go watch it. I was starting YouTube. But Code Name Kid Next Door is about five kids who hung around a treehouse based system. And these kids are in units, an entire organization of kids who work together to stop evil and prevent adults from corrupting them. And the five kids on the show focus on Nigel, the group's leader. The sort of annoying bald British guy, Hoagie, the chubby sort of nerdy boy who wore airplane goggles, Kuki, a naive friendly Asian girl, diversity, Wally, an Australian blonde boy who, who who's in a fighting, and Abby, the sort of laid back, cool black girl 
who always wears a hat that covers her eyes. I don't know why that was a design flaw in her eye. I would love to see her eye, but you know, we do see her eyes eventually. But I do give the show a lot of credit for its diversity and having some very interesting episodes. Besides along with the villains that you had, the show was a bit exaggerated between like the kids, you know, fighting against the adults and the teenagers. But, you know, I feel like if you watch the show now, I think a lot of things could be said of what the message the show was trying to get across. But before I get into that, I think, you know, it was just a lot it was a lot of progress because you had different diversity of Australian, British and Asian and black girl who you know as a friend group you normally don't see the normal it's always one skin tone or the other or it makes it just all boys or just one girl vice versa but I think that was one of the shows that I liked a lot but like the other shows that I should mention you have Flintstones, The Jetsons, Time to an Adventure basically like when you two their babies, Doug, you had Rocco's Modern Life that was also the your dream, uh, Ah Real Monsters that also did cross over with um, Rugrats Magic School Bus, I Am Weasel, Alvin the Chipmunks, that had a spinoff of movies, um, Inspector Gadget, Clifford the Big Red Dog, Dora the Explorer, Invader Dim, Invader Zim, Chalk Zone, who doesn't remember Chalk Zone, uh, Whatever Happened to Robot Jones, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, uh, Camp Lazla, uh, Cat's Track, uh, My Gym Partner's a Monkey, The Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and like those are just some of the shows that I remember. Now, with that being said, I am going to read y'all one of my top shows that I remember shaping me. I'm gonna read you a little bit, probably not gonna read you all of it. But I just wanna give you a feel of why this show I feel like shaped me who I am as a person. Um, so here we go. I'm gonna read it in this show. You're gonna hear the title that I feel like shaped me as a child but maybe the person I am today and that show is Blue's Clues. Growing up I had this favorite television show that I would watch religiously. I would come home from kindergarten and make sure to get my homework done before the show start and I sat down in front of that TV, t- TV and waited for the catchy theme music to begin and wait for the main character Steve to ask me or ask the audience basically Hello there, friend, he says. Hello, Steve, I replied. And then, you know, he'd always ask that famous iconic line, have you seen Blue, my puppy? And then I would scan the screen before like the automatic children of the show would say, look for the cute puppy and find her in heights. But also, did y'all know that in Blue's Blue, all, all the dogs on the show were all girls? Like, there were no boy dogs, like none, none. Just remember that. And then we, we all shot together saying, there she is. And then that's how the show would basically start. Blue would come out of a hiding spot, go into the house, and that as, as the camera would zoom in closer, we would introduce other characters like side um, table drawer, the keeper, the handy notebook, tickety talk, the adorable clock, slippery soap called Slippery, and then, you know, go into the Blue's Clues house. And then you would get another close-up of, you know, uh, the purple doors, Steve coming to greet you, whether that be in the kitchen, him making sex, or wherever he would be, somewhere in the house. And then you the honorable, you know, big thinking chair, and Steve will tell us about what Blue had planned for the day, and just the pure excitement we had to figure out what Blue was going to do. But Blue would always leave these three paw print clues for Steve and use the audience to find and write down the hand aid notebook. And, you know, I had my own version of the hand aid notebook, and I would grab my own and try to piece together all the clues to figure out what Blue wanted. 
And that was very memorable for me because I was always trying to figure out like before C, like, oh, what's, what, what's Blue wants to do today? Or like, what's the plan? And then as time passes, I'll watch the show. It took time to find that they pop print clues because Steve always takes short breaks to open up letters from the mailbox of children just showing, you know, about their day. And then, you know, mail saying, you know, you got a letter in the Things on. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. And then we've someone from like real world who wrote a letter to Steve trying to figure out what Blue wants to do in our time. And that was how the episode normally came in for a day. And normally, kid, I'll wave goodbye to Steve and Blue, and they couldn't see me waving until you know the next day as they ended. Then you know there'd be another episode that come on back from Blue's Clues. And then when you hear the announcement, Blue's Clues return right after the break. My face would always light out with hearing this news. Um, and upon this, I would take the chance to run upstairs to my grandmother while waiting for the next Blue's Clues episode to come on. I would ask her for a snack. And then, you know, my grandmother would give me a snack. And she'd just smile at me, pat my head as, you know, I would, you know, wait for her to give me a snack. That way I didn't spoil like, my dinner. And... She would like hand me this bowl, like a flower painted bowl with filled with green grapes. Those are the best kind of grapes. And I would just like burst one in my my mouth. But I remember like, you know, as I got older, and especially in high school, we had this reoccurring memory, like we were just trying to figure out the genders of our favorite TV show. And I kept thinking the fact, you know, in my mind, I think I as a child I would like block out the fact that Steve would always say she because in my mind, you know, when you think of blue, you think the gender stereotype blue means boy, pink means girl, but that was never the case in blue. So blue was always the girl. And the first blood, I think as a word, it hit me into high school because I talk about this and as misgendering our favorite cartoon characters. And when I realized that Blue was a girl and not a boy, I just thought like that really blew my mind because I was like, oh, girls can like blue and boys can like pink. And then you had another one of Blue's friends named Magenta, which was a girl, but I thought it was a boy because in the old days, you know, Blue was boy, pink was girl. And that's not always the case, but I was surprised that they just changed this gender norm completely, which, you know, I thought was really cool. But as I reach more in the details, you get blue, magenta, and puppy, they were all girl dogs. And I think in my younger years, you think that just went over my head. I wish I realized that sign sooner, which, you know, I'm kind of glad I did now. But during that time, I remember I always would change my room different colors as I was, you know, was, I think, conforming to the stereotypical gender norms. But looking back on those popular TV show like Blue, because I think it had opened my eyes to the fact that we can break down those barriers whereas a girl like myself I can love the color blue and now the boys can love the color pink but I think my room changed from pink when I was from the range ranger on like five or six to lime green I have no idea what even possessed me to pick pink or to pick that awful color of lime green in the first place and then lastly my favorite color is ocean blue where my main wall is painting that now and the rest are on the paint like a white but I think the cycle of change is supposed to be this girly girl to complete tomboy where I can probably say that I like blue in any shade and I really wanted to thank the show Blue's Clues because for showing me that even as a girl I can love any color besides pink that it doesn't have to be the predecessor their light color that I should always automatically enjoy I can I am free to choose you know any color that I want to without letting a particular color define me growing up and I really do appreciate Blue's Clues for that and I know I really didn't really truly like read the story to you but I will come back later on and read another one of my pieces for you to thoroughly enjoy but I think 
what I thoroughly appreciate about Blue's Clues, it told me to step out of those sterile, typical dinner dorms that didn't need to define me as a person, which I thoroughly appreciate. And thank y'all for tuning in for this podcast episode. This is the last three, four-parter of, you know, the Blue's of the cartoons, of the nostalgia cartoons uh, shows that, you know, shape me as a, as adult that I am now. And I really appreciate these shows being, you know, advanced for their time. Because I thoroughly, you know, you didn't think about as growing up, but I, you tackle more how mature these shows really were and what they're trying to show with, with, you know, them being so advanced as they actually were. But definitely thank y'all for checking this episode out. And I'll see you soon on the podcast episode. But until then, see you real soon. Take care and have a great day. And remember, even though you're still a doe, you can thoroughly still enjoy your favorite cartoon show because no one's telling you that you can't. Like even today, the shows they have now, my favorite generation now, but you can still watch some of your favorite nostalgia TV shows and think back to childhood because it was never truly lost in the first place. So definitely take the time, take a breather and enjoy your favorite shows. And I'll see you next time for another podcast episode. But until then, see you real soon. Bye.